Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like him. We turn to today's scripture, John chapter 10, or Luke chapter 10, sorry, wrong gospel. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24, Terry will come and read the scripture for us. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things that you hear, but didn't hear them. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, Terry. So I I decided to go to this uh, scripture today, and and really, I mean, the sermon is going to be very simple today. We're just talking joy. We're just talking about joy. And, and honestly, I could break this down and we could spend hours and hours and hours studying just these verses because they're so rich and they're so deep. Um, but we're going to focus in on one specific aspect of these verses right here. And that is the joy that is present through everybody involved in this situation. Um, so if you were here last Sunday and you participated in trucker training, it was a great day. It was a lot of fun. A lot of us uh, got together and we had our trunks outside and we, we had lunch after the service and we went right out and set up for a trunk or treat and had the trunk set up and neighbors came through and just got to spend some time with people and talking with people. And everybody commented, everybody who was involved at least, commented about how, just how much fun they were having, just how, how a great day it was. And, um, and it, was. it was. It was so joyful. It was such a fun time to be together. And, and when I was growing up, man, I spent most of my time at the church. Um, most of my time doing events like that. Like, we would just get together at the church, um, and, and the best time of any kind of outreach thing we did, the best time of any ministry event we did for me was always like the hour or two before and right after, when I'm just spending time with my church family, setting up and getting ready and enjoying one another's company and, and spending time together. And then afterward, as we're cleaning up, just celebrating all that had happened, celebrating the people that we served, celebrating the community that we're part of, and just, just being together was such a joy that I always wanted wanted to be there. I wanted to be at church all the time when I was young, all the time. Now, I know that contrasts to a lot of your experience who grew up in the church and you were like, man, I'd never wanted to go to that place because it was so boring. And I understand that. I get that. My church was not. And so don't begrudge me my experience, okay? My church was not boring. It was exciting. We had a great time. We, we spent a lot of time together. And I, I'm not, that's my hope for our community. My hope for our community is that we're a place, that the Christ Community Church is a place and a family, not just a building, but a family that you can't wait to spend time with, that you can't wait to get to. 
I want to be such a tight-knit family that when we have special events in our lives, we don't want to get away from the church to celebrate them. We want to go to our church family to celebrate them. I want to celebrate anniversaries together and birthdays together and walk alongside you through the hard things of life because being with this family is a great joy. It's a great joy to me. It's a great joy to my family. And I want that to be the same thing for you. Now, I realize I'm asking people to feel a certain way, and I can't do that because we feel what we feel. All we can do as the church is create the conditions that help to bring about that kind of joy. All we can do is create the environment that allows joy to flourish, and that's what I hope we're doing. What I hope that my presence does for everybody and what I hope your presence does and that that this place does is create an atmosphere where we are feeling joy where we experience joy together. And honestly, I don't know a better way to create joy or to step into joy than serving Jesus together. I I don't. And I think where we are today in, in Luke chapter 10 really illustrates for us how serving Jesus creates joy. So, Terry started at a weird place. I chose this text. It's starting at a really weird place. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, what did they return from? Like, Brandon, this is a really, this is a terrible place because you hadn't set up the picture for us. So these 72 were followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus had tons and tons of followers, people who would follow him around. Some who kind of lived in a place and just looked forward to when he came and then they would gather with everybody to go hear him. And then some who just followed him everywhere. And so we know we had more than 12 followers, more than the 12 apostles, the 12, what we call the 12 disciples sometimes. We know that he had tons more disciples than that. And here in this particular place, he's got more than 72 of them. And he takes 72 and he pairs them up, 36 pairs of people. Jesus sets up 36 pairs of people and says to them, now I want you guys to go out and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to go tell people about me. You're going to tell them that the kingdom of God has come. Now in Jesus' world, the kingdom of God has come is shorthand for Messiah is here. It's shorthand for the end of the age is here. It's shorthand for God has come among us. That's kind of what the kingdom of God means in this place. And so Jesus is saying, to these 36 pairs of people, I want you all to go out to all of the towns of the region and I want you to tell them the kingdom of God has come. Now, why has the kingdom of God come? Because the king has come. Because Jesus has come. And when the king comes, he brings the kingdom with him. And so, if you're a good Jew in this day and age and you hear, hey, the kingdom of God has come, you go, wait a minute. I thought the kingdom was already here because there's the temple and we've, we've got a kingdom. We just got to fight back and, and get rid of these Romans so we can be independent again. And Jesus' message was not, we're going to drive out the Romans and become an independent kingdom again. When Jesus went out and said, the kingdom of God has come, it was always accompanied by miracles, by casting out demons and by healing people. When Jesus said the kingdom of God has come, what he meant is the fullness of God's reign has come. The fullness of God's kingdom has come. Not even sickness can reign in God's kingdom. The demons have no power in God's kingdom. When Jesus went out and said the kingdom of God has come, he went so much more than a political nation. 
He meant so much more than a physical kingdom on earth. He meant the rule and reign of God in the hearts of people and among the people. This is a kingdom that was going to welcome in Gentiles, which meant non-Jews, which meant the bad people. This is the kingdom that's going to welcome in absolutely everybody because it's going to be about the rule and reign of God in the hearts and among the people. Not about setting up some nation. And so Jesus warns his followers, who he's sending out, these 36 pairs, and he says, look, it's going to be hard. You're going to go out and people are going to reject this message. And when they do, what I want you to do is not get upset, not cry, not break down. I want you to dust your feet off and walk away. I want you, in, in all of your blessing, in all of, in all of the mission that I'm giving you, I want you to just say, okay, all right, they didn't, they didn't take the message. I'm going to dust my feet off, and I'm going to walk on to the next place. And I'm going to say the same thing. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to do the same thing again. The people are going to say, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't like that message. That, that doesn't square with, with my understanding of God. That doesn't square with my understanding of the kingdom of God. And so, now, no thank you. And Jesus says, you're going to go out and you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, though. As you go out, you're going to be empowered by God's Holy Spirit to do stuff. And people are going to welcome you in. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to tell them about the kingdom of God. You're going to do all the stuff that you've seen me doing. Now, up to this point in Luke, Jesus hasn't empowered anybody to do this. Up to this point, Jesus hasn't empowered these guys to do this. These people are followers of Jesus. They're disciples of Jesus, which means they want to become like him. They're learning to become like him. But this is like that day when finally someone gives you the keys to the car. You've been learning. You've got your permit. Now it's time for you to sit behind the driver's wheel. So, so these guys have been following, learning to become like Jesus, but they haven't done this stuff yet. And now Jesus is saying, hey, it's your turn. I'm going to send you out in pairs, and it's your turn. You get to go preach. You get to go do the miracles. You get to go do all the stuff that you've watched me do. Now you get to. And you can imagine this is a daunting task. These guys must be nervous as all get out. Like they've, they've got to be shaking in their boots to go and do what Jesus has done. They've got to be scared out of their minds. Because not only has Jesus said, now you go do what I've been doing, but guess what? You're going to experience the same rejection that I experienced. You're going to experience the same hostility that I've experienced. And when you experience it, I don't want you to fight back. I don't want you to stand on the street corner and start yelling at people. I don't want you to start condemning people. Just walk away. When people reject you and reject the message. And what he's saying here, the, the, the subtext here, which he doesn't say explicitly, but he does in other places, is when they reject you, they're really rejecting me. So don't take it personally. And so Jesus is letting them know. If you get rejected, just know who they're really rejecting and you can walk away with a clear conscience. It's not on you. And so they go out and they do it. And that's where verse 17 comes around and we read that the 72 have gone out, they've done this, and they've come back. And if you've read the previous verses, you would expect that they come back dejected. You would expect that they come out depressed. Like, honestly, if Jesus gave me this mission, I'd be like, I don't know about that. I mean, if I was there at that time, and I'm following Jesus, and Jesus tells me the stuff that he just told his followers before he sends them out, I'm kind of like, ah, pff, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if my heart can take that kind of rejection. I don't know if I can handle that kind of failure, because Jesus, what you're telling me to do is go fail if people reject me. That's how it would feel, right? 
So verse 17 would naturally read the 72 returned with their heads hung low. I mean, the more natural reading of verse 17 would be that they came back and they were depressed because they were rejected, because they felt hostility. But what's it say? What's it say? No, the 72 returned with joy. They've just been out on the hardest mission of their lives. The hardest few weeks, however long it was, of their lives, that they've been out traveling to these towns, getting rejected, getting pushed down, and they come back rejoicing. Why? Because it's about Jesus. It's not about them. They've been out preaching the kingdom of God. These people know who they are. They've taken in Jesus' message. They know his message. And when they go out with his message, listen to this. They say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. God did work through these people. God did great things. Now, I can't, let me just clarify something for you too. Because I almost said through these men, there were 72 people and a lot of the followers of Jesus were not men. I can't imagine there weren't women among these 72. So ladies, you are absolutely in this mission. You are absolutely part of this equipped and commissioned just as much as any man was. And so these 72 go out and they come back and they're joyful because when they're out speaking the name of Jesus, they're walking in his authority, they're walking in his power, and even the forces of evil can't stand against them. So all that rejection they felt, all the hostility that they encountered, all the bad stuff that came their way was more than made up for by the power of God working through them so that even the demons had to listen to them. You can take all kinds of hits when you know that it's the power of God working in you. You can take all kinds of hits when you know that the one working in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And they come back and they're not depressed and they're not dejected and they don't have their heads hung low. They come back in joy. And the really cool part about this is when they come back in joy, Jesus is like a giddy parent whose kid just did something for the first time. Any of you parents, when your kid first started walking, right? You, you've been working on it. You've been trying to help them. You've been walking with them. They've been crawling and doing whatever they're doing. My son did a butt scoot for a long time. You know, he did the crab walk. So he's got his hands on the ground and his feet out in front of him, and he kind of does this number, you know, to get around. And then finally, one day, that was my daughter, and then one day she just starts walking. Like, she never crawled. She just did the butt crab walk thing, and then all of a sudden, she's up and walking. And we were, like, overjoyed. We were over the moon when Maggie started walking. Or more so, like, you've been teaching your kid to do something. You've been teaching your kid, uh, I don't know, a sport, right? Something you did really well, or to dance, or something. You've, You've been apprenticing your child, teaching them some skill that you absolutely love, and then they go to do their first performance. And it honestly doesn't even really matter how well they do. The fact that they're there doing it by themselves because you've taught them, because you've trained them. You, your heart as a parent just explodes. And this is Jesus. When these guys come back, Jesus is like, yes! They got it! They understood They did what I sent them to do. Did they do it perfectly? No. Were they the best? No. Were they Jesus himself? No way. But Jesus is overjoyed. He's giddy when they come back with joy at what they were able to do. Jesus is pleased with them. 
Last week I asked, do you really think that you can make God happy? I asked you, have you ever thought that you could delight God, that you could make God happy? And the answer was, yeah, you can. You can delight God by obeying him, by following him, by doing what he's called you to do. And here's picture proof. Jesus, God in the flesh, sees these imperfect disciples of his come back from their mission and he shares in their joy. In fact, Jesus is more overjoyed than they are because they've done what he asked them to do and they didn't do it perfectly and they faced rejection. But when they understood the mission Jesus was giving them and the power that he had given them, they overflowed in joy. And Jesus shared in it. When we do well, when we follow Jesus, when we give ourselves to God, when we obey him for the sake of obeying him, God delights in us. God gets giddy over you, just like Jesus is right now. And and here he says something really weird. So we read that Jesus is overjoyed, right? So they're overjoyed. And then Jesus says to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Like, what the heck, Jesus? What, what is that about? Like, look, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. Now, now, we ain't a snake handling church and we never will be a snake handling church, okay? Because that's not what this is about, okay? <laughs> what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, when you're on my mission, I'm going to make sure my mission gets done and nothing's going to stop you. When you're grinding for me, Jesus says, I'm going to make sure your mission is successful because nothing's going to stop my word. Nothing's going to stop my mission from going forward. And so Jesus says, says yeah, y'all got to cast out some demons. That's nice. I saw Satan fall, by the way, you know. And then he says, and I've given you authority for all this. And then listen to this. Listen to this pivot. However, you're like, wait a minute. Jesus, like, that was a big statement right there. I could kind of live in that for a long time. But then Jesus pulls a however on you. Like, that's cool, but here's the real thing, Jesus says. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Okay, wait a minute. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There are a lot of people in the church who are just pursuing God so that they can get some power. There are a lot of people in the church who are pursuing God for what they can gain out of it for the authority they can gain, for the miracles that they can do. There are a lot of people pursuing God because they think that God is a means to gain power of some sort. And Jesus is saying to them right now, don't pursue the power. That's not where it's at. The authority that I give you, that's not where it's at. If you're coming after me just to get some power, some authority, some some way of of proving strong in the world, then you've missed the point. Jesus says, don't rejoice in the authority you have over the spirits. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you belong to the family of God. Rejoice that you are mine. I mean, that ought to be more than absolutely anything. There are a lot of us who think God owes us more. There are a lot of us who are bargaining with God. Well, God, I've done this and I've done that and I've been good. And but then this thing happened and I'm not so sure of your goodness anymore. Or God, I've I've given you so much. But then I had this setback and God, I'm not sure of your goodness anymore. God owes us nothing more than he has already given us in the cross of Jesus Christ. God owes us nothing more 
than what the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus has already given us, which is acceptance into his family, acceptance into the kingdom of God. And Jesus here is saying, look, all of these other secondary benefits are good. They're great. Don't get me wrong. They're good gifts, but they are nothing to knowing that you belong to God. They're nothing to knowing that your sins are forgiven and your name is written in heaven and you belong to him. And if you're with him, his mission will always succeed. And so Jesus says, yeah, you had authority over the spirits. That's great. I saw Satan fall like lightning, but the greatest treasure for me is that you belong to my God. So he pivots. And then, because he just can't hold it in anymore, because Jesus just can't hold in his joy anymore because he is about to jump out of his skin. We read that at that time, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus rejoiced. And he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. And so Jesus is driving home this identity piece. Now we read that, that Jesus is so overjoyed, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And through the Holy Spirit, it doesn't come upon him, it's already within him. He's already, he's already bathed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Holy Spirit now are worshiping the Father, worshiping God. This is a whole Trinity exercise. This is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of them working together right now, just jumping for joy at what these 72 have done. Because they know who they are in Jesus. Because he's called them his own. And the whole Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, rejoices in the joy of Jesus' followers. When we obey, when we follow Jesus faithfully, when, when we serve him with joy, all of the Godhead rejoices with us. Every part of God is happy and delighted in his children who follow him, who go on his mission. And Jesus is saying, look, God, you didn't, Dad, you didn't reveal this just to, to the wise. You didn't reveal this just to the scribes, just to the priests. You, you didn't just reveal this to the professional followers of God. You didn't just reveal this to the professional religious people. And thank God he didn't. In the church, we, we always create this two-class system where there are professional Christians who get paid to do this, and then there's everybody else. There are professional Christians who are held to some standard way up here. And we're more like Jesus and we're closer to Jesus. And, and we've got the line on what he wants us to do. And we've got access to God in a way that other people don't. And we're here to kind of mediate access for you to God. And that's a bunch of malarkey. It's baloney. There's not a professional class of Christian. Jesus says, thank you, God, that you skipped over the priests that you skipped over the scribes and the Pharisees, that you skipped over the professional religious people, and you went straight for the uneducated. You went straight for the people who didn't have access to the books, who couldn't read Hebrew. You went straight for the people who, who were fishermen, man. They weren't necessarily faithful in the synagogue. You went straight for the zealot, the one who's all, all for armed resistance to Rome. You went straight for the tax collector. That guy who was working for Rome, that traitor to the Jewish people. You went straight for the people that the religious establishment had no interest in. You went straight for the people that the religious, the, the 
professional religious folk had no care for. You went to the down and out. You went to the uneducated. You went to the least religious. And you called them to yourself. Never doubt who you are in Jesus. Never discount the power that you have, the authority that you have in Jesus' name. Never doubt the love that God has for you, regardless of where you come from or where you sit now. God has no more love for me than he does for you. And I have no more access to God than you do. Just because I can read other languages, or just because I've got a degree in this stuff, sometimes that makes me a little further. Because sometimes I overanalyze. Sometimes I look at this stuff and, and I, I, I go through all the hypotheticals and I overanalyze in my head and I try to put it through all, all my learning and then all I really need in that moment is an older saint who's known Jesus for a long time and doesn't have my education to sit with me and go, you know, son, I think you're missing something. <laughs> and that's the importance of having such a diverse group of people. That's the importance of having a diverse family of God together is because we get to walk together and we get to see the way that God has spoken through different lenses and through different lights and and have our eyes opened. We get wise older saints who can walk with us and say, hey, you know, I think you're overanalyzing. And then we get younger, fresh eyes who are still super energetic about Jesus to say, no, I think he's calling us to this because we need it on all ends. We need the patient older saint who's going to say, let's not rush in. And then we need that new believer who's like, no, 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 no. There are lost people who desperately need to know the good news of Jesus. And we need to take some risks. We got to have that whole spectrum of people within the church because God's spoken to all of them through his word. And he uses us to speak to one another and to move forward his mission just as he used Jesus and these 72 These 72 who were from all kinds of backgrounds. These 72 who didn't look like one another, didn't sound like one another, didn't have the same same kind of educational background, but who God had called to his mission. We need that in the church. And then finally, Jesus rejoicing overflows, and he turns from praising God to looking to the Father and praising God for revealing this stuff to these uneducated followers of his. And now Jesus turns his eyes back to his disciples. Because he's not just going to talk about them like they're not there. So Jesus prays for them. Thank you, God, for these. Thank you, God, for the uneducated. Thank you, God, for the people in our congregation who are coming from all kinds of different places, who have different ways of of understanding your word, who you've spoken to and you've called to yourself. And now Jesus looks out at them and he says, and blessed are you. And I think he wants them to understand just how remarkable this moment is. And they already get it, right? They've cast out demons. They've healed people. God has done some wild stuff through them. So they already get this. But Jesus just wants to drive home how unique their experience is. He wants to drive home what kind of a moment this really is. And he looks at them and Jesus says, Blessed are the eyes that see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. From the moment Jesus stepped foot into our world, from the moment Jesus was birthed into that little manger in Bethlehem, 
From a moment that God invaded our earth, the world was never the same. And we have been living in an age of God's movement and of God's spirit working. We've been living in an age of the miraculous since the day that Jesus stepped foot on the earth. It's not changed. And so Jesus looks out on his disciples who he sent out and he says, Blessed are you because everybody wanted to see what you're seeing. Do you understand just how special the time you're living in is? Do you understand just how amazing the work of God through you is? Do you really get it? You are so blessed. The prophets long to see this day. Kings long to see this day. The people of old. These people who Jesus is talking about here, the prophets and the kings, these disciples of his would know exactly who he meant. And and they would have just been floored. You mean, you mean God like Ezekiel wanted to see this day that we're living in now? You mean Elijah wanted to see this day we're living in now? You mean Moses who led God, God's people out of slavery wanted to see this happen? Jesus is saying you're living in the most unique, special time in all of history right now. And these are people who are followers of Jesus who would have idolized those prior days. They would have looked back on the Exodus and been like, oh, to be one of those led out of Egypt. Yeah, I'd have been faithful. I wouldn't have bowed down to the idol. I'd have been faithful. They they longed to see the miracles of Elijah done again. They longed to see the days that the prophets spoke about. They longed to meet David the king. They longed to, to see the heroes of their faith. And what Jesus is saying here is stop looking to the past. Stop looking to what God did years ago and look to what God is doing right now in your midst. You are here with me, the king of all things, God in the flesh. Understand that to have walked with Moses, to spend time with Elijah, to have met David would not be greater than meeting Jesus right now. And we get to say the exact same thing today. Stop looking to what God has done in the past. Stop pining for the old days. Stop pining for the time when things were better. Stop pining for the time when when things were, were more according to your preferences. God is doing something now that he's never done before. Because God is always doing something that he's never done before. With a group of people he's never done it with. He made you for this moment. He made you for this time. He placed you where you are for this moment to serve him, to love him, to follow him, and to understand that knowing Jesus, meeting Jesus, having the Holy Spirit of God come and live in you is greater than anything else you could ever experience, no matter what age you live in. And that God is at work right now in your life as much as God has ever been at work in the history of humanity. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power was the same 4,000 years ago and 1,000 years ago and right now. And it will be to the end of time. The God who lives in you is the God of all time and the God of all power. And he wants to empower you to serve him with joy. You are equipped to follow Jesus. And maybe now is the time in your life that Jesus is saying, okay, it's your turn to take the wheel. Okay, you've followed. You've been discipled. You've been trained. 
You've been at this church thing for like 40 years sitting in that pew. Now what you going to do? Because it's your turn. Jesus is saying, I've empowered you as much as I can empower you. I have commissioned you as much as I can commission you. You have been trained and taught. You have followed elder saints. You have followed the wise. You have learned about me. You've spent hours and hours in Bible studies. Now it's time for you to step out in faith and do the thing I'm calling you to. Now is the time for you to step out and in faith, share that word with that neighbor who you haven't talked to in a long time. Now is the time for you to go to that sister or that brother who you've been estranged with and offer them forgiveness. Now is that time to step out in faith. Now is that time to start praying for that healing where you've been wishy-washy for years. You've been like, well, maybe God will heal me, maybe won't, it's up to him. Now is the time to really press in and pray and seek God's healing for that thing. Now is the time. Because God is never going to be more powerful than he is right now. And his Holy Spirit's never going to be more present in your life than he is right now, if you know Jesus. Now, for some of y'all, it's time to give your life to Jesus. For some of us in this room, it's, it's time to say, yeah, that's what I want. I want to know Jesus. I want to know God's love. I want to know his power. I want to know his joy because I haven't felt joy. I want to know his peace. For some of us in the room, it now is the time to lay our lives down before him and to say, God, I've repent of my sin. I turn from it and I want to give you my life, Jesus. And for some of us, it's time to get off the bench and serve, give to our good God, follow him faithfully and do the risky thing that he's asking you to do that you've been putting off. And for some of us, it's time to rest. For some of y'all, y'all been out on your mission and you've come back with joy and you need a minute. You need that time away to pray and to seek God's face and be recharged. Whatever stage you're in right now, God is calling you to something because he's never not calling you. Whatever stage you're in, God is telling you to do something, to get off the bench and serve, to take that minute and rest in him, or to come and lay you down your life for Jesus the first time, to give him your heart, to seek his forgiveness and know his love. But what I can say with confidence is Jesus is calling all of us in this room to something. And it's time for us to obey. Because the only path to true joy, the only path to real and lasting joy is to follow the path that God has given us. Is to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to God, to say yes to his Holy Spirit so that he can work in us this kind of overflowing joy. And so we can be rooted in the knowledge that when we belong to Jesus, all of God, all of the heavens rejoice. Let's pray, and then we're going to take communion together. Good God, we love you. We thank you for calling us here in this moment. Thank you for calling us to this place. Thank you for equipping us. God, I pray that now is the moment we are obedient to you then now is the moment we seek your joy. We seek the joy that only you can give by obeying you, by following you, by walking in the power of Jesus, by not turning away from whatever hard thing you're calling us to, but to stepping in and knowing that, God, the, the wins that we will see will be more than enough to overcome the disappointments that we'll feel.
And God, I pray right now that for those who are disappointed, for those who are discouraged, you would re-encourage, reinvigorate them. Holy Spirit, give them a new light and a new grasp, a new passion and zeal for you. For those who, Lord, have been kind of sitting back and, and observing, those who have been kind of consuming Christian content, I pray that now is the moment they are moved to live on mission and to follow you and serve you and to speak the kingdom of God has come. And for those, Lord, this morning who do not know you yet. I pray that now is the moment they are bending the knees of their hearts. They're bending before you and saying, Lord, forgive me. I repent of my sin. I turn to you, Jesus, and I give you my life. But I pray that this moment is one where none of us can leave unchallenged and unchanged by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us the great joy of knowing you. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us Let us live our lives in full gratitude for the work of Jesus Christ, for the work of the Holy Spirit, and for the orchestrating love of God. And it's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.